Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Ken Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. What up? <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well, Dr. A. My week was good. And how about yours? My week was fine. Came down with a little bug. I think I've conquered it. Um, but, you know, we moving on. You know, trusting in his holy name. He never failed me yet. Amen. All right. So as always with our show, we start with our wow of the week. And here is an oldie but goodie, uh, James Baldwin. I think this is the fourth time we are using his words of wisdom. And this neither love nor terror makes one blind. Indifferent, indifference makes one blind. And I believe what Brother Baldwin is saying here is like, pick a side and go for one side or the other. Um, if you don't have, if you don't care, that's when you're blind to the matter. Um, so that's my take on it. What do you say? I agree wholeheartedly and stated another way. Basically, he was just saying to me, stay woke. And as you say, you have to be engaged or else you are indeed blind to what's going on. Um, I hate to address one quote with another quote, but this one does remind me of a quote from Martin Luther King. And he said, the hottest place in hell is reserved for those who remain neutral in times of great moral conflict. And so I agree with you that you got to pick a side. <laughs> well, let me say this. I'm just interpreting what he's saying. Okay. So you don't think you necessarily have to pick a side. Because I guess when we talked about Israel and Hamas, we didn't really pick a side. And that's a great conflict. No, we didn't condone what Hamas did, you know. Um, I was just going to say there, in life, there are plenty of things that we may stay indifferent to. Um, granted, they may be more trivial or way outside of... my culture or politics um, but I think 
I would assume he's talking about serious matters. Right. And maybe given the content, you know, context of his lifespan, he might have been talking about racism or uh, homophobia or, um, you know, uh, something against the LGTP, LGT. Help me out here. What is LGBTQIA+. LGBTQIA+. Right. Um, I think that's what he may have been talking about. So. Yes. And let us move on. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going okay, we got a lot to get to. Yeah, what's going on? There's a lot going on. All right. So first up, AI chatbots in healthcare could worsen disparities for black patients. What I took away from this article was that um, AI is programmed in a way where it um, falls back to stereotypes about African-Americans. And so it spews these things out. And since... I was told like the the main place where AI gets the information is from what's on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes, um, uh, stereotypical statements about African Americans on the internet, with which it can draw from. So that may be causing a problem. They said that the doctors will not use that part of it but they are aware or should be aware no they are aware that this is existing so they may have a way to counteract it what say you yes i do think um with the advent of new technology such as artificial intelligence, you're going to have these kinds of snafus. It's the same thing that happened with the banking uh, failures that we talked about the other day, where people, because of a glitch in the system, people were not able to um, to move money around. Um, and it's the same with AI being used in the healthcare field because again it's a double-edged sword because on one hand you can use ai doctors and people in the medical professionals can use ai to make their jobs easier to be able to do more work in a, a shorter amount of time and time is is indeed a um Time is is very precious in the medical profession. I mean, they're you know they have to doctors have to do a lot, other medical professionals have to do a lot in a short amount of time. So this is going to this could help them to do their jobs more efficiently. But then on the other hand, junk in, junk out. So if you're putting junk into these models, you're going to get junk out when you have these. Um, 
myths and stereotypes about black people not being being able to tolerate more pain um things of that nature if you if ai is compiling this kind of faulty data then it's going to spit out you know faulty um analyses and faulty conclusions that could again further um or worsen disparities for 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 black patients and we cannot afford to have that happen it's bad enough <laughs> as it is so that's the you know that's the double edged sword that we have to deal with but perhaps they could address this by doing um sort of a hybrid approach to it where you can use AI to help um, charting or other administrative tasks that are required in the medical field, as long as you have an actual person to double check what the what artificial intelligence is assisting medical professionals with, then perhaps it can be a useful tool. Until then, Again, junk in, junk out. What do you think? Well, I agree with you. Um, and it, it would be prudent if physicians are educated about this and, and are aware about this. Um, so, um, you know, they don't fall victim to these stereotypes and make, you know, costly mistakes. Um, especially the ones about <clears throat> African-Americans not feeling pain the way white folks do. Um, right. So, And they also appear to reinforce long-held false beliefs about biological differences between black and white people that experts have spent years trying to eradicate from medical institutions. There really is, you know, under our skin, there really isn't much difference between <laughs> different races of people. We all bleed red. We all have the same skin and bones and organs and things of that nature. So, yeah, yeah, this is this is a it's going to be a hard um, problem to solve because we do want, you know, advanced technology. We do want these advances in the medical field, but they come with their own set of problems. That they do. And let us move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Okay, so this is definitely a sad situation. The next story is the main shooting. Mm -hmm. um, that took place um 18 lives were lost several others were injured um the thing i took away from this is the gentleman they said back in august i believe august 5th he tried to get a silencer from the store from the gun shop and there's a form one there about um, do you have mental health issues? And he responded, yes. And the store owner didn't sell him the silencer. 
So what question was on the form? It was a question about mental health. Okay. And he responded in favor. Yes. He had a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. um, and the owner, of, well, the seller at the time who was ever, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was the proprietor of the business, but they were there and they um, didn't sell him um, the silencer. Mm -hmm. And then there were police reports out saying that this gentleman wanted to hurt people. He wanted to do harm to his, the military. Um, so there were signs out there about him. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they didn't uncover it or put two and two together or didn't surveil him enough where this situation happened. So right. here we have an ex-military guy who knows how to use a weapon with an assault rifle going in and just taking lives senselessly. Yeah, so apparently they they um he was found dead as a result of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound yeah. near a dumpster at a recycling plant where he worked at at one point in Lisbon, Maine. Wow. And of course, President Biden is calling for Congress to ban assault weapons again. Um, it just seems to be falling upon deaf, deaf ears. Um, and of course, I sound like a broken record. I mean, and unfortunately, these things are going to continue to occur until Congress intervenes and takes action. Um, there's no reason why someone who's suffering from mental health issues should have this weapon. So it just boggles my mind that somehow this weapon ended up in, in, in his hands, where he basically carried out two mass shootings. Because they said one was at the um, bowling. bowling alley during a youth league, bowling league event. So children were, were shot. And, and then the second uh, shooting occurred at a nearby restaurant minute, minutes later, the Shemingi's Bar and Grill in Lewiston, Maine. And these... Um, two establishments, the bowling alley and the restaurant were four, four miles apart. So he basically was going on a shooting spree. And then of course, in the end, and this is what's so frustrating, he basically commits suicide. So I know you have mentioned in the past, like, why do people like this feel like they need to take people with them, you know, but yeah, that that's what's so very just unfortunate, more unfortunate in this situation because now he's not around to even face the, you know, justice system and pay the, pay the price. I mean, but, but him for, being around and not, it doesn't bring the, no, it doesn't, but he should be held accountable for it. Obviously he was in, 
deep I, he gave despair. himself the ultimate punishment yes but i wish he hadn't taken all these people with him yeah like if if you're going on a shooting spree and you want to kill yourself and everybody else start with you because these innocent people um they have you know no nothing to do with you know your issue so um i just we can just hope that this never happens again but it seems like inevitably it will because people own these type of weapons and and when they get frustrated or having a moment of illness, um, these things start to happen. But we have to ask ourselves why this doesn't happen in other countries where it's not, the, you know, where people don't have um, unfettered access to, to weapons, especially weapons of mass destruction and these assault rifles. So, I mean, there's clear evidence to me that that's part of the problem. You know, and of course, people say guns don't kill people, people kill people, but people don't kill people when they don't have access to guns. You know, with these assault weapons, you can take out 18 people. Yeah, in a matter of seconds. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you had a handgun, I mean, at least they know all of everybody that. else has a warning, everybody else around. Like if you see one person get shot, then you can hit the deck or be out of there. You know, with these assault rifles, you don't have a chance. Yes or right? Yeah, I don't. There's no complaints here from my side. I'm just saying, like, um, I don't know what what we can do besides that. Right. And let us move on. Ah, from Maine. The loss of life to DJ Envy's real estate scam. And I don't know if it's fair to say it's DJ Envy's real estate scam. It is... Cesar Pinto's uh, real estate scam. So DJ Envy is a DJ on a uh, personality on The Breakfast Club, which is a popular African-American show that comes on in the morning. And he, his friend, you know, um, scam people out of their money um, with a Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. And um, I believe a lot of people pointing their fingers at DJ Envy because that was his longtime friend and business partner. He said he didn't have anything to do with it, but he might say indirectly he didn't, but indirectly he did. Um, that make him, may make him lose his job because he used his platform to help promote this. Oh, he could possibly, is he 
in well, danger. Well, I would say so position? because if 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 I'm a person that lost money, I'm gonna I'm gonna sue the Breakfast Club and whatever you know who whatever conglomerate runs it. Mm-hmm. You know this nationally uh, syndicated show because you know believe it or not they relied on your information or your character and your personality to their detriment. Now, Envy does say he didn't know anything about it and he lost money in it too. Um, but do you have any information? I, don't, I was looking for, is there any information on uh, what Pinto says? What he said, or what what happened with the scheme? Well, I mean, what yeah, what what he said about did he have any defense himself for envy or for himself? Um, not 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 Pixie's or Pena. Um, there were other there because there's nine other people that are suing. Um, because of the inju- the the damages that that you, the money they lost in the scheme, they're suing, and one of them basically was saying, um, DJ Envy has no real defense in their mind because he claims, like you said, that he lost five hundred thousand dollars in a separate deal with this Caesar Pena guy. But they were saying the other uh, plaintiffs were saying, or this one particular plaintiff was saying, why didn't DJ Envy disclose that information, you know, in time to give the other potential investors a heads up? Why didn't he say, hey, this guy owes me $500,000 from a deal that I was doing with him? And I haven't gotten a return on my money. I lost my money. Like he, why didn't he say that on his platform instead of touting all of the uh, return you can get on your investment and making it look, making these investments look attractive to people, which in turn caused them to invest their money in it. Do you see what I'm saying? He was talking about in the separate situation. Right, but that's relevant information. If you lost $500,000 with this particular investor, with this particular man who is running this real estate, quote unquote, investment, if you lost $500,000 with this guy, you might want to tell, you might want to disclose that to other potential investors. That's relevant information. So if you're going to sit up here and say, oh, you can make a lot of money flipping real estate and you can make a lot of money in real estate and you guys should invest but, your money but with has this guy. He, has he made money with him too? I'm assuming so, because yeah. why else would he be your longtime business partner? Right, so... Right, but you got to disclose everything. You can't disclose the successes. I don't think he disclosed the successes, did he? I'm assuming he did. How else would see? I don't really listen to the show that closely, so I never heard him talking about um, these real estate investments or these opportunities. Um, but I'm assuming that if people 
felt comfortable investing with this guy, then he must have had good positive things to say about his business practices and the returns that he um, got on behalf of the investors. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he had positive things to say and that enticed other people to invest. But so do you think envy is guilty? <clears throat> I think I don't know because I don't have all of the information, but I do think it's a conflict of interest for someone like DJ Envy who has this popular platform that a lot of people listen to and you go on your platform and you rave about the returns on an investment that you made with a particular person and you have lost money with this person it could seem like a conflict of interest because it appears that now you are just trying to lure other investors in so that you can get the money back that you are owed. You see what I'm saying? Even if that's not the case, that could be the appearance. Yeah, appearance that, that's the way it could appear. Right. So you know, I, didn't, I didn't think of it that way. That's true. That could be his motive. Right. And so this is the same thing that's happened with other celebrities um, with the cryptocurrency uh, debacle, I would call it, because that's how Shaq and Steph Curry got kind of caught up because they were promoting certain cryptocurrencies. And when the stocks went belly up, then people were looking at them and trying to hold them liable but i think they in their situation they were doing advertisement for the cryptocurrency i don't know if they were had ownership in it like if 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 you are you say shantae like because of your popularity i want you to push these hats that i'm selling Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, I'm like buy Kimberly's hats, blah blah blah, because I'm popular, and that's going to get people to purchase them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or invest in them. Yeah, but you're paying me. I don't know if they would count me as an agent of that company. Um, I'm just sending out a message, which happens to be false, but I don't have any idea that it's false. I'm just doing this because they're paying me a handsome check. Right. Um, and I, I think know, I don't know how liable Steph and uh, Curry and uh, Shaquille O'Neal would be in that case. Well, you might end up winning that. You might end up winning that legal dispute. However, you don't want to have to defend yourself against that kind of thing. So that's why I'm saying I just think celebrities just have to be careful about what they choose to lend their names to especially if they're investing in whatever they're promoting, because again, it becomes a conflict of interest. So it does depend on the situation. Even if you're getting paid, I think you have to be careful about what you choose to promote. And then also the manner in which you promote it, because, you know, the thing is this, this was a real estate investment. 
Everybody knows that when there's a real estate, when there, when there's an investment, you may lose your money. And there's nothing illegal about that. The, the investment just did not go as planned. However, in this particular case, apparently this guy was really taking the money without having any real estate to invest. Right, in. right. He was actually using the money to fund his lavish lifestyle and to pay back other investors. So that's what made it a Ponzi scheme because it's like, okay, let me pay back these people that put their money in. And so it looks as if he has a legitimate business because he's returning people's money with profit. That's the same thing. Uh, what's Made his name? Off. Right. Madoff did. So that's basically, and he was just using the idea of investing in real estate as a front to the whole thing. If there was actually a piece of property that they just couldn't, you know, they just couldn't flip it or they just couldn't get it to work, then there's nothing illegal about that. You mm -hmm. just lost money on an investment. So that's the problem here. So I guess the moral of the story for me is if it looks too good to be true, then it probably is. And he should have listened to Joe Button because Joe, Joe Button, Button said, man, that's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> he said that he told him flat out, that's a Ponzi scheme. He said it just, it just fishy. sounded fishy to him. <laughs> so sometimes you do have to rely on your spidey senses when it comes to things like that. Yeah, you do. So hopefully DJ Envy, uh, he winds up okay, but we'll have to see. But this Let guy was, move on. I have one thing to, I have to add one thing about the, the guy, Cesar Pena. He is now, he was arrested for, you know, wire fraud and um, he's out now on a million dollar bond and he's not allowed to leave the state of New Jersey. And if he's convicted of wire fraud, he faces 20 years in prison and a fine of $250,000. So this is serious. Oh, yeah, he going to jail. <laughs> you going to jail. And let us move on. All right. So this made top news. Dwight Howard sexual assault. Um, Is this Kitty? Oh, my goodness. Look at Kitty. So Dwight Howard was is actually being uh, sued by a Stephen Harper, um, who said that he was sexually assaulted by Dwight Howard. And um, any sexual assault case is not to be played with. I don't want to play with this one, but I think this got out because of one of the parties that are involved is famous and his choice of sexual activity. I just right. wanted to be clear on that. So when talking about this, Stephen Harper was invited over to Dwight's house and he said that there was another man there dressed as a woman um and the short part of it is he didn't want any parts 
with this sexual uh, tryst. And he said Dwight Howard forced him. You know, um, Dwight Howard stripped off his underwear or what have you <clears throat> and performed fellatio on him. And pinned um, him down. Right, pin him down. Well, yeah, pin him down and form and perform fellatio on him while uh, the person known as Kitty, who was there, mm -hmm. watched. Um, it doesn't say if she was involved, but Stephen Harper did say that Dwight Howard was his ex-boyfriend. And when they talk to Kitty, Kitty says she's had several sexual relationships with Dwight Howard. So the assault is that Dwight Howard pinned him down and performed fellatio right. on Harper. That is the case. What say you? Basically, I wish we didn't have to be exposed to the details of this sexual encounter. I just feel like. Why not? That's interesting you say that. Why not? Because, I mean, I just don't want to know all of these. It's, it's like Will and Jada. People are just, I understand this is a a. a a civil issue. And that's the other thing that I think is a little bit interesting or I don't know. It's strange here that this guy, Stephen Harper, he's only suing Dwight Howard. Now he's not suing Kitty. Um, well, and we he know did why that is right. Right. The deep pockets. We're going after the deep pockets, but if you were sexually assaulted, did anyone call the police and claim that they, you know, and have Dwight Howard arrested for sexual assault? No. Um, oh, think, that's no. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying that's curious to me. Charges were, were brought against Dwight Howard? There's no criminal charges against Dwight Howard. He's being sued for sexual assault, false imprisonment, um, I think intentional infliction of emotional distress. Did I read that? Um, Let me go back and check. Well, go ahead. Uh, but Dwight Howard is saying that this was all consensual. Consensual. So, you know, he's not denying that any of this happened. He's just saying that it was consensual. And it seems like it was um, for a long time because this happened back in on July 19th of 2021. And um, the attorneys for Dwight Howard were saying that this Stephen Harper, who Dwight Howard met on Instagram, uh, had been trying to get money from him the whole time, repeatedly trying to get money from him, hiring lawyers, and the lawyers would either drop the case or they wouldn't pursue the case. Um, and he just kept so trying he tried to, to extort him. Right, basically. 
And he only filed the complaint and he was going after his friends, his family. Well, Kitty said that, I mean, he said that Kitty made a death threat toward him. Right. And said, if you, if you open your mouth, you're going to get a bullet in your, somebody going to put a bullet in your head. Right. Well, I, I mean, I don't, but that doesn't have anything to do with Dwight Howard. No, right? she's the, Kitty is the star witness in the case, though. Right. I don't know why they so, say star. But. It says Stephen Harper filed a lawsuit against Dwight Howard in July of 2023. Now, this happened back in 2021, so two years before. And he accused uh, Dwight Howard of sexual assault and battery, false imprisonment, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Um, so yeah, so he's, he's suing for damages. He's trying to get money damages from, from this encounter. So that's the thing. There is no criminal, there's no criminal charges that have been filed against Dwight Howard. He hasn't been arrested at all. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's why I'm just like, so why do we have to be exposed to these details of their sexual encounter like that's their business like i don't care it's just the same with will and jada they're disclosing information that nobody asked for like you said I mean, we don't have that we don't ask for the news they give it to us yeah but i just didn't want to have this visual of this big 610 nba basketball player um in this whatever this is with going in a different direction homie. i know but <laughs> I, I mean again sexual assault is very serious i'm not i'm i'm not i'm not saying that i'm just saying this is more information than i need to have and because people are accusing dwight well not accusing but they're saying dwight howard is is not admitting that he's gay and he's saying that he's not gay and um I'm just confused. But that's irrelevant to the sexual assault case. It is. It is irrelevant. But I was. But But you do have to. That's why we're reporting it, though, because of who Dwight is and what Dwight is doing sexually. That's what the story is really about to me. Right. But if Dwight Howard is admitting that all of this stuff happened. I think you don't have, I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not denying that it happened. He's just saying this Stephen Harper is calling it a sexual assault when it was a consensual encounter. That's what what the courts are going for, but then Kitty's there. So Kitty's coming in to be the star witness and say it was all consensual but then her character is going to be attacked because she's making death threats. So we'll, we're, we're going to have to find out what's really going to happen. Yeah. Cause yeah. So we don't know. It's just hard to, it's just hard to say one way or the other when you don't know what is true and what has been sensationalized and you really don't know exactly what the facts are. You know what I mean? So I guess we're going to have to, the only thing we do know is every, everybody agrees that they did have this sexual encounter, the three of them. So we do know that. Well, we don't know what she did. Kitty did. Well, I mean, I actually read that 
Oh, you Stephen read Storm Har- Stephen? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've read that Stephen Harper said that he didn't want any part of the sexual activity taking place between uh, Dwight Howard and Kitty, but he was allegedly forced to join them. So he he was also, Stephen Harper felt like he was also forced to engage in sexual activity with Kitty as well. But, and he okay, didn't want I'm to not saying that. that didn't happen, but what I read in the article I read, he did not, um, he only talked about Dwight Howard doing something to him. Right, and so that's why I'm saying we got you got you we got to wait till the facts come out, All and presumably that. that happens in court because people can say anything. You know, these are all allegations. So that's why I said the only thing we know at this point is that it did happen, like the the sexual encounter happened. We just don't know the exact details of who did what to whom. Yeah, we'll find we'll find out soon with that though. Yeah. And let us move on. All right. Seems like Louis Farrakhan um, is in the news. He's suing the Anti-Defamation League. Almost five billion dollars. Wow. He said that they mischaracterized him by saying he's a, he's anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be an interesting case because there's a lot of things that. Louis Farrakhan has said that has gone up to the line of being anti-Semitic or not. Mm-hmm. Um, saying their religious is a gutter religion. No matter if you have evidence for it, that means you you, you still can be I think let, let me put it in an analogy. I think women have a right should have the right to choose. They should have reproductive rights. Um and at the same time I don't know you use the word are you for abortion and I'm like no, I'm not for abortion. But people say well that's splitting hairs uh Dr. A because if you're for uh, um, reproductive rights, then you're for abortion. And I don't want anybody to get an abortion, but I don't think that's my choice of my decision. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So he he might say things like, like I said, he called a religious a gutter religion. Um, he supported Jesse Jackson when Jesse Jackson called New York Jaime town. So there's some things that he has spoken out of his mouth um, that come close to anti-Semitic. 
baptism, or maybe it is. What say you? Okay, so I just think it's ironic that Minister Farrakhan is suing the Anti-Defamation League for defamation. So the Anti-Defamation League basically exists to ensure that Jewish people aren't defamed and people aren't uh, promoting anti-Semitism. However, Minister Farrakhan is saying that they are defaming him by calling him anti-Semitic. I will say, you know, at least he's denying that he's anti-Semitic because most racist people don't deny being racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, for example, Donald Trump, the only thing I've heard him say, only thing I've ever heard him say about being accused of being a racist is I'm the least racist person I know. That's what he has said. No, I mean, he has said he's not racist. I Well, I didn't hear it. Yeah, he said that several times. Okay, but see, that's the thing. Like, you can say that all day long, but look at the things that he's done, the other things that he said. And I guess people will say that about um, Minister Farrakhan. Okay. But he's saying that the ADL, by calling him anti-Semitic, is interfering with his First Amendment rights to just speak and say what the truth is as far from as from his perspective right so he says in in the lawsuit this lawsuit is to ensure that the abuse misuse and false use of the terms anti-semite and anti-semitic and anti-semitism as falsely charged by the AT ADL is permanently barred from being a tool to defame Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam and stifle the exercise of constitutional rights. I think this will be interesting because if he's accusing the ADL of defamation and defaming him, the defense to defamation is the truth. So if they can prove that what, what, what they're saying about Minister Farrakhan is true, then they have a defense to his defamation suit. So basically, the ADL has to prove that Minister Farrakhan is anti-Semitic. So that's the interesting part to me. That's what I'm anxious to see. I want to see their case against Mr. Minister Farrakhan that he is anti-Semitic because the line is blurred the line is blurred as to what anti-Semitic is. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can. You Why can, do you say the line is blurred? Well, when I say it's blurred, what I mean is it just seems as if the, the standard for determining whether someone is anti-Semitic is very, very low. So 
for example, what I'm saying now could be perceived as being anti-Semitic. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I would love to, to see the clear demarcation of what is anti-Semitic and what is not. If you say that Palestinian people deserve to have a homeland to which they are connected, that could be perceived as anti-Semitic. Is that anti-Semitic? No, I, I mean they had their homeland. They had their homeland before Israel did. I made a statement. My statement was the Palestinian people deserve, as I believe all people deserve to have a homeland to which they are connected. No, I don't think that's anti-Semitic. I don't even think Israel will see that as anti-Semitic. You will hope their, not, but see, you don't know. You don't argument. get to determine that. You see what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying is it could be perceived as anti-Semitic. Yes. All right. What do you think? I, I would think the Israelis would agree with that statement because that's what they were saying. That they deserved a home, a homeland. That that was their homeland that they deserved. Like Israel felt like they, Israel, deserved the homeland. Right. So, but I can see what you're saying, how it can be perceived as that. Almost right. anything when you talk about Jewish people, if your tongue spews the wrong thing they're gonna say well he's anti-semitic or she's anti-semitic right and of course the ceo of the anti-defamation league uh his name is uh greenblatt he says that minister farrakhan's complaint has no merit and he is in fact anti an anti-semite and one need look no further than his own words and statements to come away with the same conclusion. So they're saying, yes, look at Mr. Farrakhan's words and his statements, and you will conclude that he is indeed an anti-Semite. Mm. But yeah, this is going to be a tough one. I don't know who is going to make this determination. It's yeah, going to have to be a court of law. Um, we'll find out soon, though. Yeah, but I mean, I'm kind of glad that he is bringing this issue to the forefront because haven't you noticed that Minister Farrakhan has been kind of uh, low key? <laughs> I mean, he's 90 years old. Yes, that's true. So yeah, of course his 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 appearances, you know, have slowed down. We don't know his overall health condition. They say he's in good health. Um, yeah, he, he denies being anti-Semitic. He claims that he loves everyone. He does not hate Jewish people. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's tried to defend himself, and I guess this is his last-ditch effort to finally proclaim that he is not anti-Semitic. And we're gonna find out. And let us move on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard Disco Airlines Flight 78. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what's, so what's, so what's the scenario? 
All right, so I'm gonna let my friend get into the scenario. Okay, so Dr. A, have you ever been to <laughs> a store like Burlington or TJ Maxx or Marshalls of or course. Ross? Yeah. Right, where you check out and Along the checkout line on either side, there are items that you can purchase. And yeah. oftentimes when people are in line, they are shopping on either side while they're waiting for their turn. Those items out. are called point of purchase. So they put them there at the point of purchase because they, and they're usually lower price things that you're going to pick up and be like, oh, you know, I need this. I need <laughs> exactly. This. It's so yeah. it's so effective. It works, right? Because <laughs> it's like you can entertain yourself by continuing to shop while you're in line. But anyway, um, have you ever been waiting and then had someone come up behind you? I want to know, what would you do if someone comes behind you in line and you're shopping, you're still looking at the items on your right and on your left, and then they walk past you and get in front of you in the line because you are still, quote unquote, shopping. It what depends. would you do in that situation? It depends on what I was doing. If the line was moving and I wasn't, then I would just let them go ahead. But if I'm moving, because usually you can move along with the line and still shop because if you haven't made a decision in that space while that person is at the register, you just move up a little bit. That's it. And okay. that's what you're going to do. Now, if someone passed me by and I was moving down the line correctly, I would just politely say, excuse me, I'm next. That's what I would say. Okay. I'm at that point in my life where I'm going to say that. I don't care if it's an old black lady. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that's a reasonable um, approach. Yeah. However, what happened to me is the person passed me and didn't realize that I saw her out of the corner of my eye, my peripheral vision. I saw her pass me. And she didn't bother to ask me, which I think is the polite thing to do. She didn't bother to ask me, excuse me, are you in line? Are you still shopping? Right. You know. Everybody then, should ask that. Right. And that will give you an opportunity to say, oh, no, you can go ahead. I'm still shopping. Or, yes, I'm in line. And you want to continue to shop while you move up, you know, move up every two seconds, you know, move up a little bit. So she didn't say anything to me. And I said, okay. And you know, these days you have to be very careful about confrontation and confronting people. Now, what you suggested is very reasonable, but people can take, I mean, anything can set people off these days. Even something like that could set someone off. Like, excuse me, I was next. Next thing you know, you're in an altercation. So I chose not to say anything, mm. but I chose to get my get back. And what I did was... Was she a big lady? No, she was an average-sized woman. Oh, okay. 
but I didn't say anything to her and she didn't, you, you could tell she knew that what she did was wrong because you know how somebody does something, then they look back to see what your reaction is going to be. She looked back to see what my reaction was going to be, or if I saw her. So I didn't say anything. So we got up, we were next in line and there were two registers. So I, I'm directly behind her. So when the one register opened, I went around her, past her, and went to the register before her, and I checked out before her. She didn't Shoo. say anything to me, and I didn't say anything to her, but I got my get back, and I think she got the message. Because if she would have said something to me, I would have been like, now you know you went past me and you weren't you, supposed so to do you, that. You, you, you walked out the <laughs> store happier about your, your get back <laughs> than your purchase. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, got him. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, don't know who you effing with, lady. I exactly. Get, yeah. I'm gonna get some get back, but yeah, I think I like my approach better because, you know, I took back my power, took back my place in line without. I think, an both, I think both of us did that. That's true, but you had an altercation. No, that lady didn't say anything to me. But don't you get tired of having to do that? It's like what what it's so annoying when people uh ignore you or act as I, if I'm on the subject, the entertainer thing. Like I wish it would do that. That's just me. <laughs> like, you know, don't you know there's the book by Ralph Ellison is a great book called The Invisible Man. Don't treat me like I'm invisible. Don't I know it's so annoying, but I will speak on, on my own behalf. For me. Shopping is like, I call it retail therapy. And a lot of people do. Right. So I'm going to the store. I just want to be in Zen mode. I just want to be to myself. I really don't want to have any type of conflict with anyone. So it just, I want to avoid that while I'm having my retail therapy. I don't want to have to, I, I, it's like all my life I had to fight. Why do I have to fight while I'm trying to have my retail therapy? So I prefer to just try to avoid having a confrontation and just taking my rightful place in line. No, <laughs> I don't care if they black, Hispanic, old or young. I'm going, you're not cutting me. If you ask me, I'm going to let you go. Right. It's you not know, that and, 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 Well, let me say that. Not if you have a whole lot of items. Right. I'll but if you have a whole items. lot and I only got one, when you I'm say- I'm going to let you go. Yeah. yeah. And then that's what people do. So you only have that? Go on. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no need for you to wait behind my 56 items and you right. only got an apple. Right. You know what <laughs> exactly. I'm saying? And, and you also hoping somebody notices that. Exactly. That's the, the scenario. Don't you hate when you got one <laughs> item and that person in front of you got 56 items and is still looking at you with the one item like you ain't before me. <laughs> but then That's when they the offer, when they offer to let you go, you go, are you sure? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> I don't even I don't give them a chance to think about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just you know, I'm like, thank you, yeah. So uh, that's interesting. I get it. It can get out of pocket. But I say it politely. I say, excuse me, miss. I was next. Like that. 
Right. You right. know, and if they get some attitude with me, right, I'm not going to forcefully move them. I'll say to the register, ma'am, I was next. Right. right. And if the register, because sometimes you in some areas where the register, register is just as ratchet as maybe the person in front of True. you. True. That so is, you can that say, is all right, let it go. Then right. when I get up to the line, I don't say anything to them. But sometimes I might put myself down and just leave the store. But the thing is, is I'm glad that I didn't say anything because it ended up working out in my favor. And that's, a lot of times it's like, so if I would have caused a confrontation, it would have been for nothing because I ended up going before her anyway. And it's the same thing with like parking spaces. But Maybe it's like you had to tie winning. up your shoes to get there. Like, all right, I'm when, when that lady leave, I'm going to just shoot by her. <laughs> It's just like one, two, three, go. You know, <laughs> I know, I know that was extra stress on me, and I'm trying to yeah. do my retail therapy, but it worked out so that I was able to go before her, and it just really felt like sweet revenge. And it's the yeah. same, like I said, with parking spaces when you're waiting for a space and somebody steals your space. Oh, I would let it go because I'm like, I'm just gonna find me another space, and a lot yeah, of times man. one will open right up. So it's like, why have a confrontation with somebody? When it's just not that serious. That's what I try to tell myself. But, you know, you, everybody has bad days and somebody can catch you when you ha you're having a particularly bad day. You're in a bad mood and, they, and certain things can trigger you and set you off. I get that. But I try to avoid that. I really, really do. Now, when they try to cut me. When they try to cut me, this is my mentality. Something, something just ain't right. <laughs> something ain't right. I'm sitting here waiting for a parking space, and you could be waiting for like sometimes you sit in the aisle, you might wait for five minutes, and then somebody gonna come. Oh, right, that can I, set I, you I, off. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, oh hell no! Every time I'm like that. <laughs> Every time my girlfriend tries to calm me down sometimes because, yeah, somebody can be on a bad day. But, you know, that's when this threatening melanin and this uh, threatening face comes in handy. The stereotypes do. Because he getting oh. out of his car like it, but it could lead to a different situation. Like he was approaching me angry and, you know, I feared for my life and boom. Exactly. Okay. That's why I just don't think it's it's worth it because you never know. We're uh, out here playing Russian roulette. Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Well, God right. know I'm right. Thy <laughs> rod and thy staff comfort me. That's right. So yeah. I'm 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 there on that. But yeah, that was definitely an interesting uh scenario, scenario um that we just listened to. So here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? And let us move on.
that song does it for me every time. So today uh, we want to highlight for our little known black history fact, Freedom House Ambulance Service. Freedom House Ambulance Service. This shout out to my brother Sterling who informed me about the Freedom House Ambulance Service. This was a group of black men in Pittsburgh who pioneered the mobile emergency medicine profession. The paramedic training and ambulance design standards pioneered in the Freedom House Ambulance Service would set the standard for emergency care nationally and even internationally. In 1967, this group of black men were the first people to take an emergency medicine course. They were originally a part of Freedom House, an organization that originally provided jobs delivering vegetables to needy black Americans. They were trained to handle emergencies, including heart attacks, seizures, childbirth, and choking. Their first calls took place during the uprising following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968. Many of the Freedom House paramedics went on to get master's degrees, PhDs, or medical degrees, or pursued careers in politics or the upper echelons of police emergency medical service and fire departments. Despite its successes, the ambulance service was closed eight years after it began operating. The Freedom House Ambulance Service, our little known black history fact. All right. And let us move on. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. This is our all hell no uh, segment. And this is an, uh, an unfortunate one. Sarah Katz died shortly after drinking a charged lemonade from Panera Bread. She's a college student and her parents are suing um, Panera Bread. And there was some also some other incidents with the case. So I don't know what the drink is made of, but don't purchase it. Okay. So it says, according to Panera's website, the caffeine content of its charged lemonade ranges from 260 milligrams in the regular size to 390 milligrams in the large 30 ounce size, while the caffeine content of its dark roast coffee ranges from 161 milligrams in a small cup to 268 milligrams in a large cup, which is 20 ounces. So it's got way more caffeine in this than it does in just regular coffee. And they were saying that it's as strong as a Red Bull and Monster Energy drinks combined. And so they're saying that it's just a dangerous energy drink. Um, and of course, also, it you know, probably she, has a lot to do with your size and what your body can handle. Well, it just so happens that she had a, uh, a rare heart, uh, disorder. She was diagnosed with something called long QT syndrome at the age of five. 
And the mm. American Heart Association describes this as a disorder of the heart's electrical system that can cause abnormal heart rhythms as a result of exercise or stress. And so she, her cause of death was officially cardiac arrhythmia due to this condition that she had. But it just seems like it was exacerbated by this charged lemonade. And it's interesting. One time I was actually in Panera with um, Ryan, with our daughter, and she actually ordered this charged lemonade. And the lady behind the counter, I never forget, she was like, the caffeine content in that drink is 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 way too high for a child. She said, mm. I would not let her get that drink. And I was like, thank you for telling me because I had already seen it on TikTok. I, there's a TikTok video, uh, video out of this uh, a, a lady who purchased one of the lemonades and she had just drank one and she was like talking about it in a TikTok video. And she was like, I'm like so wired up. I just drank this lemonade and I can't stop moving around. Like it was crazy. And she disclosed how much caffeine was in it. But this is crazy that they would even have something like this on the market. And that's that's what the complaint, the, the suit is about. Because they're saying they had this drink with all this very high um, caffeine content. They had it listed on their website among all the other drinks as if it was like, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Like it was just a regular lemonade. And so they're saying that they... I mean, need, they call it a charged lemonade. Yeah, but I mean... That's like espresso, like espresso, you know, you're going to get it like a shot of strong coffee, but it's not going to possibly kill you. Yeah, you know on how many shots you get. True. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what's going to be. They're saying this drink is inherently dangerous. It's just dangerous in itself. And Panera so is not. Yet? No. Mm. You know, sometimes they look at this stuff as, you know, how they say there's no such thing as bad publicity. So somebody who really wants this, all this extra caffeine will be like, oh, I didn't know they had that. And they'll try it. It can almost kill you. Sign me <laughs> up. Yeah. Exactly. You know how people are. Yeah. So that's... they're saying, yeah, they have to just, they just have to appropriately warn consumers about the ingredients because anything can, you know, have a um, negative effect on any particular person. You just don't know. Yeah. Did Especially you hear about like that allergies. shit? Yeah, and that tortilla chip, that really hot tortilla chip, a, guy, a kid ate this like super hot tortilla chip. They sell like one chip in a package, and he it, there was a challenge going around on the on on social media to eat this chip. Like you could take a the, like this is one of those hot things where they say don't touch this chip and then rub your eye or something like that. Like mm -hmm. you'll burn your eye out. Is that it was that hot? And he ate the whole chip and he died. That's yep. Mm. So, yeah. We got to be careful. Got to be more careful. And let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up. All right, so uh, we give it up today to Morehouse yeah. College uh, graduates who um, they got $10 million of debt erased for nearly 3,000 students and alumni of Morehouse College. So that deserves 
Yeah, what say you about that? I think that's great. I mean, it's 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 fantastic that people are getting this type of debt um wiped out. Uh, yeah. and this is this organization is basically wiping uh, it out. That's what they do. I mean, it's a, a an organization, it's a nonprofit organization that's geared towards erasing this kind of um debt for students. There's a debt, they call themselves a debt cancellation activist organization. So they're working to end student loan debt for all students nationwide. And it's important to note here that this is just debt that the students owe directly to the university. This does not include federal loans because they can't, the way it works is The way it works is this this organization, they basically purchase the debt from Morehouse. So they give them, for example, a check for $125,000 and say, we'll take, you know, we'll take on this debt. I don't know if they, and then they just, I don't know, they wipe it out. I don't know. They must um, have. To. <clears throat> what was that? They must have wiped it out because it says erases college debts. Right held by Morehouse men. So, but that's good that you did say that it's only debt from Morehouse, not from like FAFSA. Federal loans, yeah, because they're saying you, it's not even legal for them to purchase the federal loans like that. They cannot purchase debt owned by the federal government. It only covers debts owed directly to Morehouse College. Oh, okay. This is well, just like you can't get rid of your federal debt, your federal loans by filing for bankruptcy. They're going to get their money for them student loans, them federal student loans. You can file for bankruptcy and still owe those federal. Student I mean, loans. you can get for forgiveness for it, though. Yeah, you can. They'll take a lot off of that. Yeah. So. And this happened also last year for Bennett College. Did you hear about that? Yeah. The same organization they wiped the out. Girls school. Yeah. yeah, two million dollars was erased by this same org. So this organization is doing great work. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think it's good because it frees up people to make other purchases. It's going to help the economy because now they can buy a house, they can buy a car. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do agree. It can, <laughs> it can help with their credit. Indeed, indeed. So this is great. Yeah. All right. Good job. Oops, I always do that. All right. So let's wrap up the day. Today we didn't have any plugs. So we'll go to our words of wisdom. Neither love nor terror makes one blind. Indifference makes one blind. By Brother James Baldwin. We had a lot in what's going on. We had the AI chat box in healthcare could worsen disparities for black patients. We discussed the main shooting. We also discussed DJ Envy's real estate scam. Um, we discussed the star witness in Dwight Howard's sexual assault case, and maybe we discussed the whole case. Uh, we talked about Louis Farrakhan suing the Anti-Defamation League. Our scenario was a shopping scenario. Um, that was brought up by my partner, Kim. Uh, our little known black history fact was Freedom House Ambulance Service. 
I all hell know went to Panera Bread after a college student who drank their charged lemonade died. And we gave it up to a deal that erases college debt held by nearly 3,000 more house men. So we want to also thank our producers on the show, Robert and Gregory Parker. And as also in leaving, we... Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always, in parting, we wish you love, peace, and knowledge to feed your soul. Knowledge to feed your soul. Peace out.